0: Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. As usual, we have an amazing guest today. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger. I am more than excited to talk today to a person that I've been a big fan with for a long time, Doug Hall. Doug, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Brian. Great to be here.
0: Let me start at the beginning, give our audience a little bit of background on who you are. If you're familiar with this innovation space, you know Doug Hall. He's been here for a long time. In 1986, he started the Eureka Ranch, which was focused on this innovation early stuff. He's written a number of books. Uh, One that is in my bookshelf at the early days was Jumpstart Your Business Brain. And he's got a new book out called Driving Eureka, Problem Solving with Data-Driven Methods and Innovation Engineering Systems. So, Doug, welcome to the show. How did you get involved in innovation at such an early stage in this process?
1: Well, it actually started really young. It started at age 12 when I invented a method for teaching people how to juggle. And I bought 600 balls and 600 rings and made, learn to juggle kits. And decided I wanted to be an inventor. My dad said, well, that's kind of weird. So he just go take engineering. So I took chemical engineering, came out and ended up at Procter & Gamble where I ended up in marketing, becoming master marketing inventor. And And then from there, founded the Eureka Ranch. So it's kind of all my life, the inventing of things, and really, inventing and commercializing them has really been the focus of my entire life.
0: Walk us back to the early days in, in 1986 or so when you started actually a business and a a unique concept at the time, like an incubator at the, at the earliest stages. That you know you hear about these things all the time now, but back in '86, it probably wasn't as prevalent. So, talk about the early days of starting Eureka Ranch and why you did it and, and what brought you to that point.
1: Eureka Ranch is really unique, and my dad had worked with a guy named Dr. W. Edward Stemming. I'm not sure if you know who I'm talking about. This was a guy that went to Japan after World War II and recreated Japan, was responsible for all the quality processes. And he famously believed that 94% of the problem is the system, 6% is the worker. Hmm. Well, my dad worked with him when he first came back to the U.S. And it was a big movement in the early 80s. And so I took an approach to innovation, being an engineer of a system-driven innovation. And now systems, the minute I said systems, I can hear people already, I can hear people (laughs) saying systems and innovation, that sounds like a bad idea. Well, there's a difference. Systems are agnostic. It's the aim that matters. Most innovation systems are designed to control. I'm talking about systems to enable you to increase your speed and decrease risk. And so I founded Eureka Ranch on the basis of being system-driven, data-driven, turn it from an art to a science. Most innovation is really driven by sort of right-brain creative types, which I love. But 85% of the business world are left-brain and logical. Right. And so the idea was, how can we use that power of those brains who are important if we're going to ship? See, I always separated this art, which is beautiful, And then there's innovation, which is productive imagination, which is artistic ideas that ship, that you make money on, and that make a difference in the world. And so the focus of the ranch was always around basically turning innovation into a factory, a reliable factory. We literally can increase speed by a factor of six and decrease risk by 80% is what the data shows. And so I started that and working for Nike and Disney, American Express, I mean, you name them, Done TV multiple times, you know, hosted TV shows and all that kind of foolishness. They always thought I was a guru, that I was an expert, but the truth was it was always driven by systems. And then in 2008, when the world went stupid, (laughs) people turned around. I mean, it was such a good time for us because people decided, well, I don't need this guru. I need something more reliable. Right. And that's when I created the Innovation Engineering, a new field of academic study. It's on 20 campuses now. It's taught. as an accredited uh, minor and graduate certificate. And it's about to go to over 100 next year where we teach people. So Eureka Inventing, we find, filter, and fast-track big ideas. Innovation Engineering, we teach you how to find, filter, and fast-track ideas.
0: And you have really been a pioneer in that. I mean, you hear a lot about the Lean Startup methodology, and I think there's probably some overlap in that around what you're talking about, but really taking the concept of innovation from an idea to how do you do something with that idea and make it real and valuable in the marketplace. So talk a little bit about innovation engineering and some of the systems that you've found over the years that seem to work.
1: So the key to it, and I love Lean Startup, the difference here is, is we're about data. We're about providing data. So whether it's rapid research where we can do 72 cycles in seven days of quantitative research You know, we say, God, we trust all of this must bring data, whether it's five year Monte Carlo sales forecasts that investors are buying into in a big time way because they're risk adjusted, whether it's systems for writing patents in about an hour or whether it's project management designed for innovation, because innovation engineering is not about the big idea. The idea is 10 percent of it. Ninety percent of it is making it happen. And it's the development where the ideas get compromised. And in fact, the research shows Fortune 20 company and my own independent research says when an idea goes into development, you put a market value on it. What's the sales forecast? And when it comes out and gets ready to go to market, that development system loses at least half of the value of the idea as the idea gets compromised. Hmm. With innovation engineering, we don't lose 50%. We gain 28%, a net gain of almost 80%. What's the reason behind that? Well, the difference is we're using data as we go through the process and we're reinventing as we go along. And we have a project management system that can deal with the variance. So, normally, project management is task completion. The problem is sometimes tasks have variance with it and you've got to do some rapid cycles. And -hmm. the project management systems don't allow that. Well, our system does allow that. And we're going to enable everybody, we're going to teach every engineer, every finance person. We're going to give them a fundamental understanding of how to find, filter, and fast-track ideas so that they're part of the process. They're with us, not against us as we go through the system. It's a whole different – it's the Deming approach. I mean, if you go to a Toyota plant and Toyota uses innovation engineering, the key to a Toyota plant is not all the gimmicks and the consulting crapola that you hear. It's the fact that it's inside each worker is that idea of never-ending continuous improvement. In innovation, we tend to think it's a guru that does it. Well, the hell of that. Gurus right. don't pull it off. I don't talk to me about design. don't talk to me about cute inspiration. Talk to me about the people that make it the thing real, who make it so we can make money on it.
0: So obviously, that's a lot of times it's a culture shift to empower individuals within an organization to know that they can be innovative and think creatively and, and take action on that, probably more importantly. What are some of the things that organizations can do to kind of create that? innovation culture, and, and put that system into
1: place? Well, you've got to change the person before you can change the organization and before you can change the culture. So we say there's two ways to do it. One is, is that it can be led by the top, where the leader can get engaged and become fully engaged. And during the days of Deming, Ford and others did that. The other approach is you enable the workers, and they have a sphere of influence where they can impact it. And so we've built, we've got an online course, and we've got an in-person courses, and we've got software that can allow them to go faster, where we can train an individual so that they can work smarter. I mean, because all we're talking about is working smarter instead of dumber. Working smarter in their sphere of influence, in your job. And then what happens is other people say, hey, man, that's pretty cool. How'd you do that? And slowly but surely. So you can do it from the top down, or you can do it from the bottom up. The one thing you don't have a choice on is innovation is no longer optional. It's a great time. It's never been the better time to be in business because things are going so fast that the big ones are just going to go down if they don't change. Right. And, you know, that's what happened to the dinosaurs. Didn't make it.
0: Can you give me some examples of where this practice has been put into place and the change that has happened because of it?
1: Well, we've seen transformation right now at this point in time, and we've just been in beta, and in fact, Literally, this month, we're actually now going out of beta to a first release. With the release of this book and our conference, our sixth annual innovation engineering conference, we're going public with this, so to open it up beyond. But the beta testers, which are a whole bunch of the big companies that I mentioned, right now have $17 billion worth of ideas in active development using the methods that we're doing. And they're seeing increases in speed to market up to a factor of six and decreases the risk up to 80%. But if you'd like a cool example of this, because we say there's leap ideas and there's incremental ideas, you both, is I've got a crazy little whiskey company called Brain Brew Custom Whiskey where we've invented a way to do time compression of whiskey where we can make double gold medal winning whiskey in 40 minutes in a time machine. (laughs) Wow so we basically replicate seasons of barrel aging by using super expensive high precision equipment to within a tenth of a psi to increase the heat and then decrease it just like seasons of barrel aging and we've got products out now we've won double gold at the north american bourbon and whiskey championship 95 rating with alpaco i mean all kinds of craziness We've got some products out right now in partnership with the Macallan. Mm -hmm.
0: There's
1: one product called Noble Oak. If you go to nobleoak.com, you can see where it is. It's a bourbon. It's a double-aged bourbon. And then we're about to do custom whiskey where we feel everybody deserves their own whiskey. We can come to a tasting and literally for your wedding or whatever celebration, you can get your own personal whiskey. And I'm talking about your own wood bill, your own mash bill, your own time compression. Not like a cheesy wedding thing with a label (laughs) on it. I'm talking about the stuff inside the bottle. That was all built using the innovation engineering systems.
0: So was this a passion project for you? Or how did you get into the whiskey business and said, well, this particular innovation engineering is actually going to work in this particular market?
1: We always try to do, because, you know, so many times people that preach but don't practice. Mm -hmm. And, And I believe that you're fraudulent if you do that. And if you're not, you know, because in the world today, we've got curators and creators, people who curate content and put it together versus those that create. But those yeah. that create have got to actually do it, too, because that's the only way you make it real. So I've always had what we call Brain Brew Venture companies, Brain Brew Ventures, one, two, three, four of different things, have various things that we create and oftentimes license and sell. This is one that just got out of control. And in fact, about six months ago, I'd never raised funds before. But I said, I wonder what that's like. Because again, you know, <laughs> hey. I talk to people about this. People talk about it, but I'd never done it. And I'm like, well, let's go through the experience, which was quite a trip. You know, pitching people, but we got oversubscribed by fifty percent and sold the thing out real quickly. So that was a cool experience. It's a fast growth startup. We've got a bunch of money we raised. Business is going crazy, and and it's kind of expanding. But it makes it real to us. In fact, funny, we have this Trailblazer software for innovation projects, and it's designed to deal with uncertainty where you can run fail fast, fail cheap cycles, document it. Anybody that's doing lean, I love lean, document it and do the math. Right. Quantitative research, qualitative as opinions, give me facts and you'll make more money. But interestingly for the team doing it, because we're a best practices team, We were going so fast, the software, which is fast for big corporations, for us was too slow. Hmm. So this month, they're shipping an upgrade to the thing. And the software guys at the Eureka Ranch who built the stuff are like, yeah, tell me you can't. We're faster than you are now. So there's like an arms race between (laughs) my team trying to figure out how fast they can turn the cycle. And can they burn the software because the software is slowing them down? And the software guys, I think they're ahead of us for a while. So. That's fine. Because the thinking time, because it's all cycles, man. It's all cycles. You've got to run an experiment. You've got to study what you learned, and you got to do it again. I mean, that's the key to success.
0: Do the experiments change based on where you are in that particular product build and that? Or kind of walk me through some examples of how a cycle works.
1: So the way we do it is, in, in Driving Eureka. we talk about, and on campus when we teach it, we talk about this three kinds of death threats that can kill you. The market risk things associated with going to market there's technology death threats associated with making it, and then there's organizational death threats with regards to investors, regulatory, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So what you do is you take an idea and you test it, and what you want to get is you want to get a score on meaningful uniqueness, which is purchasing new and different, that's really high. Because if you have that, that means you're going to get more awareness, you're going to get more word of mouth, you're going to get more trial, and you're going to make more money. And when you do something that's crazy, that's never been done before, so it's patentable. There's going to be death threats, right? That you can't do. So what you do is you identify those death threats based on the categories: market risk, technology risk, organizational risk, and then you run what's the Deming cycle, which is called Plan-Do-Study-Act, and that's different than Plan-Do-Check-Act that people may be familiar with. It's a different system. And so you set up the plan. What what are you trying to get to? What's your destination? And what are you going to do? What's the experiment you're gonna run? And we have, our software allows us to run research in about an hour. We can get quantitative research real cheap. And then study, why did it work? Why didn't it work? And that's the key thing. Check is about just checking the box that you did it. Study is about thinking. Why did it work? Why didn't it work? And then act, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna go around again? Are you gonna change? Are you gonna adapt? And so you do these cycles and, you know, when people start out, you know, it might take them a week to do them, which is ridiculous. And then we get them to a day, and then we get them to hours. Wow. Um, and, and what happens is employees go crazy because it's so much more fun. Instead of debating to the death about opinions, you just run a test right you know i have the 15 minute rule if i'm in a meeting with a corporate client i help out as an inventor now i don't run the projects but i go in as an inventor to do ideas if people get into a debate about something i say you got 15 minutes to debate this after this we're going to go run an experiment and go learn something we're going to call somebody we're going to look something up we're going to run a simulation we've got the software can do simulations and we're going to go fast and because it's way more fun when you're going fast
0: absolutely you've got a new book out called driving eureka Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about the book, why you decided to write it, and and what's in it for them?
1: This book's different. In the past, I had always written books that were much more about the front end of innovation. Jump Start Your Brain was about finding ideas. Jump Start Your Business Brain was about finding and filtering them, selecting them. This book really is about find, filter, and fast track all the way to market. I got fed up about eight years ago. We would create ideas for the big corporations. And then never see them happen, or if they did, they were a shadow of their self. <laughs> and, and that's when I went on campus and started to create. I said, well, we got to take it all away. We can't depend. People say, my system worked. Ah, crap, your system's garbage. And so I went on campus. We got the academics, really put depth behind it. I mean, ridiculous depth of research. And then started the experimentations. And fortunately, companies large and small were really helpful. So what this book does is it takes you from idea all the way to market. In the front part, it gives you sort of a synopsis on the latest learning on what we've learned about how to create, communicate, and commercialize ideas. Because since, as my books have gone on, sometimes we've learned things that are different than what they were in the earlier books. So this is the state of the art, and based on the data, 2,000 academic studies, 300,000 people, 6,000 teams in the active inventing, 17 billion in ideas. The largest databased system for creating, communicating, and making those ideas happen. And so it's a complete enchilada, all in one, to help people go from idea to market. And so the good amazing. thing is, it really works for left brain people too. I mean, right brain people get it, but they get anything that's a, with innovation. But much of the creativity stuff, is or art and design is about sitting in a lotus position and feeling it, which is nice, but I don't get it. And so most people don't like innovation books. This is an innovation book. Even chief financial officers like it. I want to confront the reality on the risks because I want to ship. And I don't want to lose money. I want to make money.
0: It's definitely where the world's going. I mean, nowadays it's easier than ever to build and, and try and experiment with the new tools and access to markets that you never had before. So it's a, probably a, a very timely book for the person out there who doesn't only just have an idea, but wants to do something with that.
1: I mean, that's the key is to go. How are we going to make this thing real?
0: Well, Doug, I appreciate you being on the show and giving us a little insight into this. If somebody wants to find out more about yourself or the book, what's the best way to do that?
1: Well, let's give them a little prize too, because the book's coming out this month. So let's celebrate it. If they go to doughallcom VIP, that's D-O-U-G-H-A-L-L, dot com slash VIP we've got a one hour abridged audio book there there's a prescription for success that they can do which will tell them their strengths and where to work on to improve their ability to innovate and there's some other interviews and some other assorted things there for you that you can get so that you can learn more about it and then that you're also then inside my website which has got all kinds of other stuff
0: That is awesome. Thank you very much for doing that for our audience. And thank you for being a part of the Inside Outside Innovation community. If there's anything we can do for you, and please do let us know. We're looking forward to having you back on the show at some point to keep us abreast of all the new things that are going on. And uh, thanks again for being part of Inside Outside Innovation.
1: You're welcome. And keep it up. We need more people doing what you're doing. We need more people out there taking action. There's nothing worse than to sit back and say, you know, I had an idea. Well, having an idea doesn't count. Let's go make it happen.
0: That's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. If you want to learn more about our team, our content, our services, check out insideoutside.io or follow us on Twitter at the Podcast or at Ardinger. Until next time, go out and innovate.